Hi, friends. This is episode 35 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hey everybody, I'm so excited to spend some more time with you. Just want to remind you to make your way to thebiblelab.com, T-H-E, biblelab.com for all the resources, including the study guide for this episode. It'll really help you follow along and to be able to take some notes while we're going through this conversation, which is extremely important. It's a conversation about the shepherds. A lot of times we've had those shepherds in our nativity scenes and they look like they fit Everything is perfect, but I'm telling you, after you listen to this episode, you will never look at those shepherds the same way again, especially as you see what it says about the character of God. Welcome to the Bible Lab. All right, yes and no. Number one. At night, I am uncomfortable when I see young men in hoodies and sagging pants approaching me. Yes or no? Look at these sheltered people. Yes, I'm seeing about 90% yes. A couple of people say no. All right, because you're either really tough or you know it's just your grandkids. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. (laughs) Number two, I hang out with homeless people regularly. I hang out with homeless people regularly. Oh, the majority, about 98, 99% of you are saying no. We have a couple of yeses. Yes, it looks like about five yeses and a couple of maybes. That must mean sometimes. Irregularly. There we go. Good. All right, number three. And by the way, hanging out with homeless people regularly doesn't mean your car is parked at the traffic light and the guy is still there on the corner that you saw yesterday. Okay, that doesn't count. Number three. There have been times that I felt God couldn't use me because my life was a spiritual mess. Yes or no? Okay, we're split on this one. It looks like about 60% yes, 40% no. So about 60% of us here say there are times in our lives that we feel like God couldn't possibly use us because our lives are a spiritual mess, all right? Number four, God needs us to build trustworthy reputations within our community in order to use us. That's a tough one. I hear the grumblings. I hear it. Yes, we're split on this one. It looks like a majority of no's, but it might just be like 55, 45%, 55% saying no. And the challenge is, I hear the grumblings. You're like, but does that mean we don't have to worry about our reputation? But that's not what I asked. What I asked is God needs us to build trustworthy reputations within our community in order to use us. And that's one of the things we're going to explore today. And we're really split on this, so I think it's going to be a really good Bible lab today because it will help us understand how to split this hair. And number five, the last one, God chose the shepherds because they were the only ones who wouldn't give Joseph and Mary a hard time about putting a baby in a food dish. (laughs) 
Predominantly, no. I have several maybes and a bunch of yeses in the back. <laughs> oh, very good. We're continuing on. This is part two in our series, Merry Cryptics, where we're taking a look at why did God make the baffling decisions that he did when he designed Christmas? All the spiritual things, all the visual things that we have on a spiritual basis for what is Christmas all about, God chose, knowing full well that years later, you on your mantle or in the front table at your entryway or wherever you have it by the fireplace, you would have a nativity scene. And within that nativity scene, you would have symbols that represent God's baffling decisions. Unfortunately, over time, the nativity scene has become cliche. We've got people hanging out in that scene, and to us, they look like they fit. Shepherds hanging out with rich, kingly wise men. Joseph and Mary and a bunch of very clean animals with a very clean food dish, clean straw, and a baby wrapped in cloths. We have the star above it, and everything just fits perfectly. They all belong. And that's because over years and years and years of us having this nativity scene, it has, it has become to us comfortable, the decisions that God made. But today we're going to see in one more step into understanding uh, God's cryptic decisions, uh, we're going to see how that nativity scene would have looked completely ludicrous and would have been baffling to the very first people who ever saw a nativity scene like that. Today, we're going to take a look at the shepherds. The shepherds in the scene. They're great. They got the little lamb. Of course, lambs are great because we think of little babies and new birth and they're cute and cuddly. The shepherds are there. One even has one around his neck. How cute. How nice. Shepherds, come on in. So nice of you to visit. But today we're going to realize that when God looked down from heaven, he calls all his angels together and says, okay, it's time for us to have a baby shower. You ready for the baby shower? My son's baby shower. We're, we're gathering everyone together and I want you to see who I want you to send my invitation to. And all the angels get excited. Yes, it's time for the baby shower. Who is he going to point at and say, go let them know and go let them know and invite them. They're really nice. And oh, invite them. They always bring good gifts and definitely bring her. She's great at decorating and the snacks and all that. It's going to be perfect. The angels gather around God. And he says, I want you to invite them. The angels, I imagine in that moment, and you'll see why by the end of this study, the angels probably got closer to God's arm to say, is he pointing where I think he's pointing? Is he pointing up the hill to the church? He wants us to invite the high priest of the synagogue. No, that's... That's not where his finger's pointed. Uh, per perhaps he's, he's pointing over here to this rich young ruler's house. No, that's not where he's pointing. He's pointing to a hillside in Bethlehem to a bunch of shepherds. And I imagine the angels 
standing there with gold and silver glitter in their hands, falling between their fingers, saying, are, are you serious? Uh, and then who's next? And God points down and says, I want to invite the shepherds to the baby shower. The only biblically recorded invitation to the baby shower is to these men, the shepherds. And so let's take a look at what makes them so important. Why would God, out of all the choices, why would God point down and say, angels, go there? You got your song ready, right? Yeah, we got the song ready. Go there and sing the, sing the birth announcement and send them to the baby shower. That's what we're going to take a look at today and ask the question, what does this say about God's character that out of all the people that he could have invited, he invited the shepherds? So let's take a moment. Let's look at scripture. Luke chapter two is where we're going to go today. And we're going to start out with verses eight and nine. It's right here on the study guide. So you don't even have to spend time turning in your Bibles or your Bible app to it. Would someone be willing to read for us verses eight and nine, printed on the study guide. Thank you. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. So, shepherds, it's nighttime. Angel comes, makes an announcement. They're terrified. Growing up, what have you heard about the shepherds? Growing up, what were your thoughts? What had you been taught the shepherds were like during the time of Jesus' birth announcement? Anybody? Just raise your uh, comment card. We'll get a microphone to you. Yes, right here. Lynn. Just that they were gentle. They were kind. They were caring about their sheep, and so yeah. they were lovely people. Exactly. Gentle, kind. These are, the, these are the ones that care for their sheep. In fact, Jesus called himself... The good shepherd. Now, I need, I need to take a step back. Yeah, Jesus presented himself as a good shepherd. This is like David again, right? Gentle, kind, someone that society would look at and say, what a gentle soul. He cares for sheep. When, when he's got 99 and one is lost, what does he do? What a gentle soul. That's what we believed as we grew up. Hang on to that thought as we go to the next comment. I always heard that they were the only ones that really were studying into the biblical truth about when the Savior was going to come. Yes. I've read that too. I've read that too, that the reason why God, as he looked, they were the only ones studying. Well, You're asking a difficult question. Where did shepherds get a Bible to study when all the scrolls were in the temple? You're not supposed to ask those questions because it completely messes up the nativity scene. I had someone tell me last week, thanks a lot. You just totally messed up my nativity scene. Just wait. It's going to be toppled over by the end of today. Good. Over here. There you are. Oh. Sorry, you're too close. I couldn't see you. So I've always heard lowly associated with shepherds, and I think that connoted a social status. And if I think about that, I conjecture or wonder whether perhaps society's expectations were not placed upon them so they were far enough removed to be more open. 
and ah. not to be expected to be showing up at the temple and not to be expected to be doing and so perhaps ostracized enough to be open. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Lowly uh, does describe them. And we're going to talk. You talked about the social ladder. Uh, what strata were they in on the social ladder? And we're going to get to that. Very, very good. Who is next? Who is next? Uh, one of the greatest generals of his time was sent by the Lord back out to, the, to tend sheep. That was Moses for 40 years. And so he attended the sheep for 40 years before the Lord would let him lead his people. Yes. So we can look historically back. We've got Moses. We've got David. God used the school of sheep, <laughs> the University of Shepherds, to give them their master's degree. And what does it mean to be spiritually connected with God? And so a lot of us have looked back and said, shepherds are a sort of people that when they are trained into caring for large numbers of sheep, create the environment, the petri dish that God needs. It's that kind of person that God wants to come to. That's what I grew up hearing. Any last comments? I'm wondering if there's also a connection with the fact that Jesus was not only the good shepherd, but he was the lamb slain for the, uh, you know. And so from the very beginning, yeah. there's this connection with shepherds. Yeah. Because all through his life, that theme kind of carries through. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for bringing us back to that phrase, that, that title that Jesus kept using, the good shepherd, the good shepherd. Now, mind you, when Jesus spoke, and theologians who are better at biblical languages than me uh, have calculated that somewhere near 80% of the words of Christ are humorous. When we read it, especially when we watch films that have been made of the life of Jesus, he's walking around like a zombie. He's not really walking. He's floating. <laughs> Follow me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And it's boring. 80% of the red letters of the Bible, theologians say, are either jokes, puns, play on words, or sarcastic remarks. 80%. You have no, uh, no idea what relief and hope it gave me when I found out Jesus was a smart aleck. When Jesus uses this term, the good shepherd, there was always a gasp in the audience because no one in their right mind would ever use those two words together in the time of Jesus. Something happened between the time of David when a shepherd could be king to the time of Jesus when a shepherd was definitely, definitely not allowed anywhere near a king, much less a church. A good shepherd would be like me today saying, well, I'm a good thug. I'm a thug, but I'm a good thug. People would have had the same reaction that you just had if I were to use those two words together. Struggling um, in our current society, what's the equivalent of a shepherd with all these diverse, I mean, it's a Petri dish, you know. Yeah. What, what's the equivalent in our society today occupationally to a shepherd in Jesus' time. I think at first I was thinking uh, a first grade teacher. You know, that, that's, that's somebody that yeah. really learns patience and yeah. s organizational skills, you yeah. know. 
But then to be so low in society, I, I think we put a kindergarten teacher higher than that, you know. Yeah. Um, who, who learns that kind of skill and yet is so bottom of society today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't think of the equivalent. Exactly, and we're going to try to look at an equivalent today once we actually see what shepherds really were in Jesus' day. Now, I can tell you one thing for certain. You would not want your first grader child to be anywhere near a shepherd. So you would not want a shepherd as a teacher. And I'll tell you why. Not all of them were bad, but enough of them uh, had a reputation that all shepherds were tainted by the reputation of the profession. Something happened between the time of David and the time of Christ where the profession of being a shepherd did not, did not speak to a community of someone who is meek and kind and gentle and, and good with first graders. Definitely not. In society, in religion, in legal realms like court, these individuals were so mistrusted that you would not allow them anywhere near you. I'm going to go to this comment, and then I'm going to finish what I'm talking about here. Okay, when I think of shepherds, I don't think, and I, they might have been kind, but I think of one like David. They were rough and rugged, and not just that. They had to fight off uh, lions, bears, and they didn't sleep at night. I yeah. mean, they had to stay up all night, so I don't think of them, of them as really so humble and kind, but I don't. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have all these beautiful, meek, uh, effeminate statues in Rome that make us think of David as, uh, as someone more meek and mild. Just, we'll, we'll get to that in the Bible lab, and you're like, David, you're, you're one bad dude. Um, but you're correct. Uh, shepherds in between the time of David to the time of Christ uh, became even more rough than the lions and the bears, oh my. Exactly. Yes. Um, well, I was actually listening to something recently um, about why it was like so significant that the angels would come to the shepherds. Yeah. And they were saying that um, it was such a, a mark of social ostracism that it was, it was better for society but worse for the shepherds than imprisonment because when they would walk into the town, you could smell the stench of their reputation on them yes. with the stench of the sheep. So yeah. you couldn't, there was nothing that they could do to hide who they were and what they had done. You knew they had done something yeah. terrible in order to, to carry that stench of the occupation. I thought that was like... Absolutely. And that stench included three things. Thank you, that was beautiful. It included three things. Number one, socially. Those of you who listened to the Wednesday warm-up, you would have heard my phrase where I said, uh, you wouldn't uh, allow your daughter to date a shepherd. Socially, the bottom of the social ladder. Why? Because shepherds had a reputation of not only stinking physically, because there's not, there's not a lot of showers out in the wilderness. It's hot out there. You sweat a lot. You're with the sheep. You not only smell like sheep, but your armpits smell like pizza. It's very bad. <laughs> Shepherds, because especially in that part of the world, some of you have visited that part of the world, you know you have to move the sheep to where there is something to eat. And especially during the dry seasons, you are looking for the best pasture land that still has something to eat. And so you move your sheep 
to where they can eat. Those are not your sheep, by the way. You work for the, the person that owns the sheep. You're a bit of a middleman. And so your job is to make sure that those sheep are not only healthy, but growing and growing nice and large. Because if anything happens to a sheep, if it dies, it comes out of your pay. If it gets lost, comes out of your pay. If they don't fetch a huge price on the market, it comes out of your cut. And so you travel those sheep wherever you can to get them as healthy as you, as you can get them. And if that means traveling onto someone else's property, it means you're going to travel onto someone else's property. And a lot of times, other people have sheep as well. Jesus says, my sheep follow me because they know my voice. Well, some voices sound very similar. And you might come with 100 sheep and leave with 105 sheep. Whoops. Now you have insurance. You can lose five and still get paid the same. Or now you might get paid more. They had a reputation of stealing, being thieves. In fact, if you read the Jewish Talmud, you'll see several things about shepherds during the time of Christ. A shepherd was not allowed to be a witness in court because the word of a shepherd could not be trusted. So if you're out and about and a crime is committed and your only witness is a shepherd, you're better off not having any witness at all. Because number one, that shepherd is not allowed in court. They say the first question, so Mr. Shepherd, uh, what's your profession? Shepherd, okay, move to dismiss. Not trustworthy. If you saw a shepherd coming, it would be like today, someone who looks like a gang member approaching you in a dark alley. You would look for another way to walk. If something went missing on your property, the common phrase was, a shepherd stole it. They did not have good reputations at all. Secondly, they weren't allowed in church. Ceremonially, they were consistently unclean. When you're out there with sheep, they're having babies and you're touching blood. Just look back in Levitical law. You'll see he's not allowed to go to church for seven days. With the issues of so many births and everything happening, the shepherds not only were disallowed to go to church because they were ceremonially unclean, they became out of practice of even going to church. Imagine this, the very shepherds, and they believe that these shepherds, because they were so close to Jerusalem, it's literally just on, if you're at Jerusalem looking across a, a, a little uh, ravine over to the next hillside, that's Bethlehem. They believe that the sheep that were raised in that area were all used for ceremonial sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Can you see the irony of a group of shepherds who are raising sheep for the intention of people being right with God, and these people are not allowed to go to church to get right with God? The product that they are, uh, that they are providing, they themselves cannot use. Disallowed from forgiveness. These are the people that Jesus looked down and says, I want you to go to them, the outcasts. These people can't go to church. They can't go to court. 
They stink really bad. You wouldn't want them around your kids. These are the outcasts of the outcasts. This is God pointing to the underpass where a homeless man is sitting with his cardboard sign. The man who, if he sat next to you in the Bible lab or church, you would know it with your eyes closed because of the scent of his presence. God points down to the outcast and says, that's who I want the baby shower announcement to go to. The outcast. Uh, the dis the distinct distinct they were disdained rather that they were seen as bad people and what have you. It also had a political and uh, economical uh, aspect to it as well because they would go and eat and destroy the land. Mm -hmm. Almost everything in the Bible it's not all spiritual. It's uh, you know it's has been and still continued to be about, you know, money as well. Absolutely. And they weren't such horrible people. You know, you could find them at every level from the Pharisees on down. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love the added perspective that you share there because as you look at it, not all of the shepherds were bad, but definitely not all the shepherds were good. How do you get a reputation? And so as you look at this band of society, that strata of society, if I'm going to be constantly accused of being a thief anyway, they already say I'm a thief. Might as well continue. I'm over here. Um, now, you say what type of persons in our society today might you associate these shepherds that I think that you're going back to the, uh, the hoodies, the saggy pants, and the homeless, right? Now, I, since I read that when I came in, it goes back to something that I experienced. And it wasn't saggy pants, and it wasn't hoodies, and I'm certain this person was not homeless. It was when one of my boys was maybe three years old. I was on one side holding his hand, my mother on the other side, and I believe it was in New York. We were crossing a street, not a main street, and a tall young man dressed like, you know, jeans, an appropriate shirt, good-looking young man, walks right diagonally across us and says, you got a change? <laughs> Scared the daylights out of us. And I felt later like he was waiting for us to open the purse and he was going to grab the purse and run. Wow. I do not associate him with one of those shepherds. Mm -hmm. But it was a very scary experience to me. Yeah, yeah. Segments of our society who scare us. Was there one before? Yes, go ahead. I think the, uh, the clear parallel of the shepherd in today's society is the undocumented immigrant that picks our food. They have no legal status. Hmm. They have uh, they're perceived very poor. They're considered rapists and thieves. They're, that's, I mean, that's, that's extolled over 
I mean, at least our politicians say that quite a bit. So uh, they can't go to court. Uh, they're not going to church if they're out there. So it's just, I mean, those are the people in this society where mm. they are the shepherds. Wow. That's good. I, as we're going through these people, I, I want you to start internalizing how you, as a person of privilege, which all of us are, uh, how we view these different segments of society. Because we're going to plug that in in a moment. Raul. I, I think that Jesus had a problem with the Department of Human Resources. <laughs> because he started out his company with these bad people, you know, uh, shepherds, and then continued with fishermen, tax collectors, and women of bad reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, just a thought. Yeah, I mean, if, if he just would have asked us, we could, we could have really done it better. Can I, can I take it one step farther? Sure. And follow with me, by the way. Yeah. He, follow with, he chose me, and yeah. I'm not the good one. Yeah, yeah. The, the fourth session, uh, so weekend after next, we're going to take a look at the only other group of individuals at the nativity scene. The Magi. Let's give you a teaser. Uh, what, what church was their membership in? They were non-Jewish. So the only two known groups of individuals that came and saw the Christ child were unchurched. We'll dig into that deeper on the fourth week. Back here. I was also so thinking, uh, I love the undocumented parallel. I think that's fantastic. And I was also thinking about, I saw this, uh, this video a long time ago about these, uh, these people in Brazil who um, they work on this island that's made entirely of trash. And they sort the trash, and that's what they do for a living. But they live on the, on, on the mainland, and apparently they smell like trash all day. And uh, so I thought that was maybe a good parallel as well. Yeah. How does that, though, unfortunately? Yeah. One more comment, and then we're going we're gonna to step into the next couple of verses. Yeah. I was just going to say that, to me, the, the obvious parallel of the shepherds back then would be the shepherds today, the cowboys, the, the ranchers, the rednecks. I mean, people yeah. don't look at them very, very nicely either. They often smell. Um, cowboys are not actually like the romanticized westerns. They were, they were thugs. They came in. They gambled. They drank. They ransacked towns. They tore them up, and then they moved on. They stole cows, they traded cows, they did whatever they needed to to survive back then, which was hard on a lot of people. I mean, we still have those today. I mean, that's, to me, that's the obvious connection. People don't like them either. <laughs> exactly. Uh, someday, uh, unfortunate for you, I'll share a story of when I was on an airplane that uh, was full of rodeo cowboys. Um, and it was, a, it was a rodeo, that's for sure. So... Next couple of verses, would someone be willing to read for us verses 10 through 14? Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 14, right back here. Thank you. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So the verse right before this setup says the shepherds are terrified, and then the angel comes in, and in verse 10 it says, oh, don't be afraid, fear not. By the way, every time the angel comes, there's four times, I call it um, uh, God's four Christmas cards, uh, the, the, the four announcements that he comes down announcing Christmas, every single time the angel has to say, uh, fear not. <laughs> In other, it's okay. It's all right. Don't be afraid. Shepherds are terrified. Why do you think the shepherds are terrified? And I want to ask you in this light. You go home tonight. You're preparing for bed. You turn out the light. And all of a sudden, an angel is in your room. <laughs> Chances are, first thing out of your mouth is, honey, that's not funny. <laughs> and then when your special someone uh, says, it's not me, you will be terrified. Why would you be afraid? What are the things going through your mind that make you afraid in this moment? What are you afraid of? What, what is your source of fear? I think just as simple as you think you're all by yourself. Like that's what I knew about, that's what I had heard about shepherds is that they spend a lot of time alone. Yeah. And so if you're used to being completely alone and all of a sudden there's somebody there with you, forget what's going through my head. First of all, I'm just shocked that there's somebody there. So I think as simple yes. as they're very startled. Yes. Originally. Yes, that's part of it. One of the issues in being a shepherd is you keep watch at night. You had your watch, and so you would be up. It's called the watch of watches. It's a it's alliterative uh, way that, that they would say it back then. But you were the, the watch of watches, and you'd be watching to make sure no one is coming to take the sheep. And then all of a sudden, ah, it's, it's there. Not what you expected. You expect someone in the dark. But now the dark becomes day, and you're afraid because someone is there. It's a very solitary work. And so you're absolutely right. That's one thing. Yes, Greg. Everything I was taught as a kid is real. I have no idea what that means, but I think it's very deep. <laughs> the angels appear to the shepherds. Yes. They were taught. Now, they're angels. There's yes. God. And then they appear to the shepherds and they say, whoa, it's real, awesome. what I was taught. Awesome. Thank you for unwrapping that present. Because, <laughs> but that, that, that is deep. Because it's the same for you. All these things you're taught about God, one of the questions that remains always at the back of your mind is, is it real? And when the story becomes flesh, it's terrifying. Over here. Okay. Um, I know that I'm saved, and I'm, I would love to see an angel, but in the middle of the night, I would be terrified, and yes. my first thought was judgment. Yes. Even though I have a good relationship with God, in my opinion, I, judgment. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think that would strike even greater fear into us. It's kind of like the knee-jerk fear of, whoa, 
what is this? And secondly, oh, I know what it is. The fear of you are God and I am not. The fear of you are clean and I am dirty. Exactly. I was going to say, it depends on the circumstance and what's going on in your life at the time. If I'm in the hospital and um, I'm very ill and near the point of death and I see an angel, one, one of two things I know for me, it would signify, okay, the angel is here telling me good news. Um, if, I'm, if something is happening in my life where I think, okay, judgment, if I see an angel, okay, this is it, I'm done. So I think it depends on where you are in your circumstance. That's how I see it. Right, exactly. One more comment over here. That was my thought as well as death. If an, angel, if an angel's here and he's in my bedroom, I'm going to die. I'm going to heaven. Yes. Goodbye. It's a wonderful life. Goodbye. <laughs> exactly. So we have that fear, the almighty presence of God in our puny presence. It's obviously not good news. Which is interesting because the words are fear not because I bring you good news. We automatically fear bad news. Because when we look at the relationship between us and God, the separation, the things that we should have been doing, the, the weeks we should have gone to church, but we didn't, the, the positions that we'd love to fill, but no one would consider us because of our past and the mistakes that we've made and all of the things that we, we assume people are saying about us when they see us because they know too much about us. And why didn't I move to a different town? Because everyone knows everything about me. And then God comes in and says, fear not. I'm bringing you good news. It's the exact same word in scripture that Jesus and the apostles use when they share about salvation. It's the exact same word. In fact, the word here, when the angel says, we're bringing you good news, the, the word in its form is actually translated, I'm preaching some good news. It's the same construct for preaching and good news put together. I'm preaching to you now is what the angel says. And then all of a sudden, boom, the sky blasts open. The light show begins in the concert of God and all these angels start singing and all the shepherds wet themselves a little bit because this is too much. The sheep are running everywhere and the shepherds don't care. Some of the shepherds are wondering whether they should go with the sheep. The choir sings this amazing song, the light show, and the angels throwing the gold and silver glitter and the trumpets and everything, and they say, you gotta go see him. You'll find him, and they describe the most lowly of circumstances to find the king of kings. It's to the outcast of the outcast that God brings this concert. What does that say about God's character? Out of all the people, he did not choose priests. I'm embarrassed to say he didn't go to the pastors. He didn't go to church. Someone mentioned it's the middle of the night. You're like, God, I don't know what time zone you're on, but uh, couldn't <laughs> can't you pick a better time to announce? He doesn't come during church time. He doesn't come to the head elder's house. He doesn't come to the, the leader's house. He doesn't come to the, 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 polit uh, the politician's house. He comes to the outcast of the outcast. What does that say about the character of God? Uh, a question and a comment. 
if God created design Christmas as we understand it today, mm-hmm. why did he omit the majority of the people? Because it's a Christian uh, yeah. construct. Yeah. Secondly, uh, the mention about that once uh, someone is known in a town and they cannot serve certain things. Even Jesus went to, uh, through that himself when he went to his own town and he was not believed or appreciated or yeah. respected. Uh, it's not always. Now, I don't know your name yet, but I'm going to find out afterwards because you are asking all the questions that we have to ask in the Bible app. Because those are the questions that drill beneath the surface, the surface reading that allows us to say, well, we know the Christmas story. No, we don't. Because when you really ask the question, why did God only come to the shepherds and why did he not come and announce it to everyone saying, well, you all have a chance, but the only ones that showed up were the shepherds? He didn't. That's why it's baffling. Yes, back here. I just find it really interesting as well that he announced to the shepherds and had them go to a place that was as humble as their status. Mm. They felt very comfortable. They weren't going to the church. They weren't going to the temple. They weren't going to the city. They were going to a stable, yeah. a place that they would be familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. He had announced it to everyone. Is this on? Yeah, it is on. Go ahead. He had announced it to everyone through the prophets, uh-huh. and they hadn't paid any attention. Mm-hmm. He'd even given them the dates and the time and when it was going to happen. The only ones that were under, understood it were ones that weren't, even, didn't even have the scriptures available to them. They had to search them out themselves, the wise men. Yeah, it's a great point. In fact, it's the very scripture of prophecy, Isaiah and Jeremiah, where Paul has to take people who should have seen prophecy fulfilled and say, it was fulfilled as we look back at the scriptures. It's as if the people were living in the same day and time as we are today, because we have twice as much prophecy as the people did during Jesus's day. And yet there are people who consistently go to church week after week, who every week they're getting one step away from expectation of Christ's second coming. In fact, the more you go to church, the more distant you are from the prophecy. The expectation wanes. Um, hello. Hi. Um, that uh, lady asked a very interesting question for me, um, and it raised the question of, was, did the angels only go to the shepherds, or are they the only ones who showed up? Hmm. According to... Scripture, it's the only recorded invitation. Had they come to the church, the place that was actually more adept at recording history, I'm sure it would have made it to us. Um, So the only recorded invitation is to the shepherds. I feel fairly confident that it was the only invitation because lesser events have received historical mention. And so from that standpoint, I believe it was just the shepherds who invited. And on the fourth week, we'll learn the cryptical way that God invited the non-Jews 
to come to say something, and we'll see what he was trying to say with the Magi. I believe there was a comment back here. I do have a question. Uh, you just mentioned that Bethlehem was just over the hill or very close to Jerusalem. Why could not other people see what was in the heavens as well? Yeah. Because why was it only visible to the shepherds? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Um, I don't know, because the Bible doesn't speak specifically to that. But, um, you know, we also know of other miracles where Jesus heals a blind man and he opens his eyes and says, what do you see? And the man could see something that other people couldn't. He saw people walking around, they look like trees. Perhaps this message, God has a way of tuning in to a specific group of people and helping the rest of us just stay asleep. And so perhaps, because this is something loud, when God's, oh, you know, they're singing glory to God in the highest, I, I imagine some people would be saying, I, I'm sorry, has neighbor got a stereo up or what's going on? They would have come out and seen it. So I imagine God in, in some way very specifically targeted the shepherds. Otherwise, we would have other people saying, and I ran out to the hillside and I saw it too. Exactly. A couple more comments, then i got to wrap it up. We tend to forget that there was a second invitation, though. Uh, just a few months later, the Magi showed up in palace in Jerusalem saying, we're going to worship the baby king. Mm. And what happened? They almost killed him. Yeah. So yeah. don't forget that God invites you multiple times, not yes. just one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to get to that in two weeks. Was there a comment back here that I missed? Good. I want to, um, for the sake of time, I apologize. I, I just want to touch base on the last five verses. I want you to see what happens in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20. It says, When the angels had left them and, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The question I want to leave you with today is, what does it say about God's character that he would ask the shepherds to come as they are instead of giving them some ceremonial cleansing rituals to go through first? I'd like to add to that. Do you think God chose this group of outcasts because he knew when he said, go see this thing that's completely out of the ordinary? They dropped what they had. It, it has no record of them saying, okay, let's figure out how to bring all our sheep with us. They left their sheep and ran to the spot. There is a type of person that God absolutely wants to connect with, and it's not the perfect people. It's the people who at a drop of a hat will do what God says and go where God says to go. When people say we need to be more like the shepherds, like we said at the beginning, this is the part I want to be more like. Because more often than not, when I feel an impression of God saying, do this, go here, go there, I shift into analytical mode and say, what do I need to do? Why am I not the right person? Who else could do it better? Instead of just going and witnessing the presence of God. 
today during this Christmas season, as you look at your nativity scene and as you look at the shepherds, I want you to, I want you to see them as the group of people that they were. They're huddled up close to Mary, but maybe this year you should scoot them back a little bit. Out of respect, they, 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 they don't want to come too close. They know they stink, but they're there within eyesight of the king child, the son of God. And God looks down at you and says, can I come in the middle of the night and give you a message too? Can I send you to a place you never thought I would send you? Can I speak into your heart even though you feel like you've done too much for God to use you in the mightiest way, to spread the gospel around, to be a witness of the presence of God? Can you allow God to come to you knowing that no matter what you've done, at least you're not a shepherd? And if God can come to the shepherds in that day, God can surely come to you in this day. That is probably the best news for me, and I'm guessing it's probably the best news for you too. God can use anybody, even the outcast. I don't know if there's someone in your life that you can share that with this week, but as the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, I encourage you to definitely share that with people who need to hear this. They need to know this is the actual character of God. Now, next episode, I want you to come back because you're going to learn things about the mother of the Christ child that you never knew. We're going to talk about Mary, and I hope you can join us for that. God bless you on your journey, and we hope to see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at thebiblelab.com. Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.